Come on, if you adore him, the King of Kings, the King of Light, let's make some noise. Stay standing for just a second. Matthew 4, chapter, uh, verse 15 and 16. This is what it says. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And this is the part that makes a lot more sense. That first part is like, what, are, what is this dude saying? Verse 16, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Come on, if you know what that light is, make some noise right now. They've seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them, what's happened? On them, a light has dawned. Come on now, the light has dawned. Right now, God, we give you praise. Lord, you're worthy, for you are the king of light. Lord, have your way today. Speak to us and change us. Let that light shine in. Let us let that light in. And let us just live for you today, God. Speak to us, change us, renew us. Let us just walk out of here different than we came in, God. You have permission to do whatever you want today. You have permission to, to speak to us, God. We just allow, we allow room for you to move today, Jesus. That's what we say collectively as a church. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. High five your neighbor right now and tell him light has dawned. So we're starting this new series called King of Light. And we know who the King of Light is. And uh, to start off, I want to give you a cool illustration. Um, I'm asking the light guys to kill the lights for a second, just to show you guys something cool. So we're going, I'm going to be dark. We got a few lights still around. Now, I want to challenge you guys with something. Have you ever thought about the battle between light and dark? Light and dark. There, there actually isn't a battle. So I'm going to turn this flashlight on, and I'm very tempted to point this in all your eyes right now. But I want you, I'm going to shine it on something. I'm going to shine it on the wall over there. And if you notice that there is no battle, light and darkness doesn't have to fight and try to give up, but darkness immediately surrenders to the light. Whatever I pointed on, there is no battle over which one is going to win. You're not seeing something take place in the supernatural where it's like, who's going to win, who's going to win? But no, darkness immediately surrenders and is overcome. You could turn the lights back on. And so with that said, we recognize the authority that Jesus has. We recognize that he is the king of light and that he came to be with us. And as that scripture says, he came, to, that light dawned on the people in the shadow of darkness. And so what I want to tell you today is something really simple is that Jesus came so that you wouldn't live in darkness. And I believe today that we're focusing on this passage today, that you're in your seat here today for a reason. You're in this room for a reason. You're listening to this podcast online for a reason because we're focusing on living in darkness. And some of us today are living in darkness. And maybe we don't even realize that, that we are. Because have you ever had a, one of those fluorescent light bulbs at your work, your office, or maybe even at your house, and it just slowly starts to go dim? You know, it slowly starts to fade out, and you just kind of get used to it. 
And then finally, when, when it gets replaced, it's you just like, whoa, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? You, did, you were like, I w- it was actually really dark in here, and I just thought that's the way it was supposed to be. I thought that's just, just the way it was, and I was okay with that. You don't need to be okay with that because I believe some of us are living in darkness, not in an actual physical sense, but in a spiritual sense that Jesus came to remove you from. He came to remove that darkness because light immediately overcomes darkness. And if he is the king of light, if he is light, then then darkness, when he comes into your presence, has no option but to flee. It has no option. It just is overcome. It just is gone. Because light overcomes darkness. So we read about that, but what does that mean when light comes in and, and overcomes the darkness? I believe it's, it's really simple. It's spelled out in the passage we're going to go dive deeper in. Is that he removes sin. Is that he forgives sin and he takes the sin. See, darkness, I believe, represents that sin. That we're living in darkness. And we're living from, in this thing called sin that is the one thing that separates us from God. Man, nothing can separate us from God but this thing called sin, and now Jesus, as he came to earth, made a way that there's no excuse that, that he overcomes sin, and we have a way to have communion with God, to have a fellowship with God, to be connected with him, and so that God could be with us. Now, that's really important, those words, with us, that we're going to talk about in just a second. He's come to be with us, and his very purpose is to bring the light and deliver you from darkness. And my prayer all this week has been that today people will be set free from that. My prayer today is that some people are, we may not realize it, or we may be fully aware of it, that that's where we're at at today. But my prayer has been simply that, that today the truth of Jesus, the truth in Scripture, will will bring you out of that. Maybe some, some today just feel stuck. Man, today is your day where you feel the king of light. That light is going to dawn on you, and you're going to receive that light. You're going to let that in. And darkness will have no choice but to flee. And that's, that's been my prayer very specifically. So today we're talking about the king of light and how light has dawned. So we're starting this series called King of Light, and I want to give you an overview of it real quick. We're leading up to Christmas. It's going to be amazing, uh, amazing. What we have over the next five weeks is amazing. So today, we're talking about the light has dawned. In part two, in next week, remember there's one service at what time? Oh, you guys are good. You paid attention. Extra points for you. Light for all is part two. And then number three is light givers. Also on this time, I'm, we're encouraging you that December 9th is our end of the year offering. So we're just asking you to pray and challenge you. If you haven't f- uh, filled out a commitment card and just said over the next several months, this is what I'm going to commit to do above and beyond. Because here's the thing. Tyler mentioned it, but I'm going to mention it again because this is a big deal. In the five and a half years of Project Church's history, this has never happened before. We are in escrow on a building, y'all. We're in escrow on a building. We're not just going to be renting this place coming in and out, but 24-7, that's going to be ours. And that's a big deal. And here's what I want to say. Uh, I'm going to pause in the middle of the series breakdown and let you know. If you didn't already know, my name's Lauren, and I serve as the Westsac campus pastor. And if you didn't know either, we have a second campus in West Sacramento that for three years we've been seeing lives change and souls saved in Jesus' name. And um, and. I love Project Church because I was just attending Project Church for about a year. 
and then I ended up launching the, the West Sac campus. So I say, everyone sitting here, beware, because you may be starting the next campus. I'm just going to throw that out there to you right now. But uh, what I want to say to you is this, is that we are raising money in West Sac for this campus that is going to be an old town that we are going to have as a central hub. That's going to be the central meeting throughout the week. We're still going to be meeting in West Sac on Sunday mornings, but it's going to benefit the West Sacramento campus because we're one church, and if one, church, one campus gets better, the other does too. And so we're raising money in West Sacramento so that the downtown could have a great Sunday morning location, a permanent location. And so I just want to challenge you, what is God speaking to you to give towards this? And there's commitment cards that were in your packet as you came in, and I, I want to challenge you, if you, even right now, you know that number, you say, this is what God's going to this is what I believe. This is what I'm believing again for over the next several months. I challenge you right now to do that. My wife and I have prayed and set a number and said this is going to stretch us. We're making room for a miracle. And I want to tell you as a church, we've made room for a miracle. We look at this and say, man, that this is almost impossible. We, some would say that is impossible. But I, I want to make room for God to move. Because if we're just doing something simple that we can do by our own strength, where's God in that? I'm stretching the, the boundaries. We are saying in faith we are going to raise this much money so that we can reach more people, so that we can lead more people to find life and freedom in Jesus. And we invite you to be part of that miracle that God will work through you to see this miracle happen and see more lives change and souls saved for Jesus. So I, I challenge you to take that home and pray about that or fill it out right now and just drop, give it to an usher on your way out. That's, like, that's part three. At the end of the year, we're believing you for December 9th just to, to take the first step of a, and a big chunk of that. That's what an end of the year offering is often when you're able to, to give more generously as you're coming through the, to the end of the year, tax purposes, purposes and et cetera. So part four is going to be amazing as well. Like I said, we got a lot, a lot of cool stuff. Part four is our Christmas production. Christmas at the Crest, and I'm really excited about this because two campuses, we become one big church, one big family. It's a big family reunion that day because the West Sac campus is going to be joining us here on December 16th. Two services with the kids' choir and everything going on. You do not want to miss that, so make sure you're there for that. And then also um, for, for December 23rd, we're calling that our Christmas Eve service. It's in the morning at 930 and 1130 right here, and you're not going to want to miss out on that as well. So, but today, we're focusing on that pivotal point in history when light has dawned. And you're coming Christmas, so as starting the Christmas series, you're like, man, I'm probably talking about the birth of Jesus right now. You guessed it. You guessed it right. Because, man, that is such a pivotal point in history. And, and we're verbalizing it like this, is when light has dawned. We see that in Matthew chapter 4 when he was starting his ministry out. Man, we say, they said light has dawned in the regions of the shadow uh, and uh, shadow of death. Light is dawning in those areas. And, and that's Jesus coming, coming to earth. So we're going to read in chapter 1, verse, verses 18 through 23. And I want to give you some context um, because I believe that's so important in understanding this. So the first part of Matthew is really boring. And so most people are like, did a pastor just say that? I'm just saying most people read that, and it is a list of 42 generations of people from Abraham to Jesus, and you read that, you're like, uh, okay, how does this apply to my life? I don't know. Here's what I want to tell you a little bit about that. The first 17 verses of chapter 1 can be like, why is that there? 
I ask that question a lot in scripture. And let me tell you, don't stop asking that question because as you seek that, you'll find something. As you seek God and you dig deeper in scripture and use resources, you'll find something. So check this out. At the beginning, there's, a, there's just a massive list of, of names. Abraham, this guy, this guy, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, okay, here's what this means. He, Matthew is providing adequate proof to the readers that, he, that the claims of Jesus being the, the coming king, the Messiah, are 100% true. So check this out. In, in just those, the first, chap, first portion of the first chapter, there's five prophecies fulfilled. And we may, I believe we got the slide on this. This is from hundreds of years prior. So we see that he's fulfilling the fact that he's the seed of Abraham. The, the tribe of Judah, the family of David, his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us, and he is born of a virgin. Now, that's just five. Now, I want to ask something real quick. Um, is there, are there any skeptics in the house? And what I mean by this is, have you ever, honest question, I want you to an, answer honestly, have you ever questioned the legitimacy and or accuracy of the Bible? Raise your hand. Come on, come on, I'm raising my hand too. All right, so, so I'm, I'm proud of you for raising your hands. For those that you didn't raise your hand, check your heart, all right? We're in church. Now, now check this out. Uh, I, I lo- I've always been skeptical, and I love diving deeper. And so for the analytical thinkers, I want to give you something real quick. If you ever question the validity of the Bible, there are a total of 68 different prophecies that were written down by over a dozen different people over periods of hundreds and actually thousands of years that all led up to this point when Jesus was born and lived his 33 years on earth and every single one of those 68, 68 of the 68 prophecies were fulfilled. There wasn't 70 of them and he missed two. 68 of the 68 prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. That means people writing things hundreds of years apart that did not know each other, didn't even live together at the same timeline, all came together in this story of history that concluded with Jesus and was fulfilled with Jesus. So I know that may not answer every single one of your questions and every one of your questions about the validity of the Bible, but I challenge you to look deeper. If you're ever wondering, man, is scripture, is this thing really real? Are they just making stuff up? We're not scared of skeptics at Project Church because we welcome you because we're all there. And, and I challenge you, I'm not scared of, of those questions because I just point people and ask them, man, what does Scripture say? Dive deeper into those things. I don't have all the answers. I'm telling you right now. People ask me questions and I will say, I don't know, but let me try to dig deeper. What do you think the Scripture says? So we're not scared of those questions. And so if anybody asks, asks me that, I say, hey, let's dive in together. Let's see what we can find. Because what you will find is that there is so much power in, in the word of God that we believe is 100% truth, that is useful, that is available for us to grow deeper in Christ. And so with that said, we realize that there is, this is a big deal, that Jesus coming is a big deal, that there's been a waiting period leading up to this, that people are wondering what's going to happen. People have been talking about this for thousands of years now. What is going to happen? What's the deal with this? this and what is it going to look like? And this will... Take the story in verse 18. Let's read that together. Chapter 1, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she found to be 
with child from the Holy Spirit, the virgin birth. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the, angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name what? You will call his name what? Come on, for he will save his people from their sins. That's, that's huge. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is one of those things I was just referring to. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. And that name Emmanuel means God with us. Today God is with us. He has come and he is with us today. I, I look at that passage and I want to observe three things and, and then just pray for you and encourage you on the way out of here today. I make a few observations about this passage. This passage lays out the details of how he came, which is really important. But I want to look at why he came. And like he came through, through the Holy Spirit, through a virgin, an amazing miracle that people wonder, how is that possible? God makes the impossible possible. And we see, but, but I want to focus on why. And I, this is an exhaustive list, but I want to look at three things I just see in this passage of Scripture. Why did the king of light come? The king of light came to remove our fear. So that's what the angel said to Joseph. Jo Joseph was sitting there thinking, and he was in a rough spot. Man, a lot of people like just say like, oh, Joe, he's just that dude that was, you know, like Jesus's like stepdad, I guess. I don't know. Like, J J Joe, what do, you, what do you got, man? But uh, Joseph was in a really tough spot because he had three options there. He had three options. Number one, he could expose Mary and, say, and, and publicly bring her to shame and even punishment as that happened. So that was option number one. And option two was to not divorce her and go through with the marriage, because they were engaged, and go through with the marriage, but break the Mosaic law. And, Mos and, and uh, Scripture says Joseph was a just man, a righteous man, and so he was contemplating, man, what do I do? And then the third option is to divorce her quietly. And so he made the decision to divorce her quietly, but before that happened, he made the decision. It says he resolved to do it, and I love this because he was like, "All right, I'm going to do this." The scripture "resolved" is a pretty like uh, apparent word that that they've made the decision; they're already going for it. But then, right after it says those words, he says, "But he was still considering these things." So sometimes we make a decision, and we're still considering things, and then that's when God shows up. The angel of the Lord showed up to him, and what did the angel say? He said, "Do not fear about marrying Mary," and so. Why do I say he's going to remove our fear? Because Joseph was fearful. Now, now, if you look at there, it's like, where, where does it say Joseph was fearful? I don't, I don't see that in Scripture, Pastor. Well, why would the angel of the Lord tell Joe, stop fearing, if he wasn't fearing? Why would he say, do not fear, if he already was not fearing? So, I believe that the, the purpose of the king of light to come is to remove fear from our life. See, fear is a crippling thing. It paralyzes you. It stops you from moving forward. 
And, and in, this, in this culture today, there, I believe we're just living in so much comparison has to do with that. With all social media, you're looking at other people's highlight reels and comparing them to your life. You say, I'm not good enough. And all these, all these things add up and, you're, and they're adding into the fear in your life. But Jesus said, hey, do not fear. And I want to point, to you, point something to, out to you uh, and let in Scripture interpret Scripture. 1 John 4, 18. This is powerful. There is no fear in love. But perfect love does what? It casts out fear. And for fear has to do with punishment. And so whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Do you have fear today? Let his love perfect you. Let that perfect love cast out fear. Let the light in. Let the king of light into your life and let him drive that fear out. Because he has come to take away that fear. The second thing is this. The king of light has come, is here to save. That's what verse 21 says. To save the people from their sins. So have you ever been waiting for something to change and it didn't? You were waiting for a specific something to change and it, and it still hasn't happened in the way you wanted to. Maybe it changed in a different way. Well, Matthew portrayed this this uh, passage, this, the entire uh, coming of Jesus in, as, as the end of a waiting period. Because like I said, there's 68 prophecies about this guy that's coming and it's going to change and he's going to save. But, but his, his, uh, his, their, their connotation, the Jewish connotation of being saved, that word saved means three things typically. Save people from their sins. But they were thinking to save, which meant from, to save from three things, from danger, from disease, or death. And so that's what they were thinking. They were thinking of a physical salvation. They were thinking, man, get me out under the, the rule of the Roman Empire. That's what they were expecting. That's what the Jewish culture was expecting. And they, that's the way they were anticipating it. That's what they were waiting for. But what happened? Jesus came not to save them physically, not to save them from death, disease, and danger as, the, as his first priority, but his priority was to save them spiritually. It's to save them from their sin, to save them from that which separates them from God. And Jesus came in a way that they weren't expecting. And so I want to ask you a question. Are you expecting God to do something that he's not going to do? And I say that, let me rephrase that. Are you expecting God to change your circumstances when his priority is to change your heart? Are you expecting God to, to change your situation when he says, no, I want to deal with what's inside? Are you expecting God to, to change, man, what's, what's around you? But God wants to say, no, I want to change what's in you. See, see, a lot of times it happens in the way we don't expect it, but we look at this and we say, what's, what's his priority? The king of light is here to save. That's his most powerful quality that he's, that he's dubbed all in scripture, all throughout the gospel. He's the power to save. He healed people, healed people with disease. He healed people that were already dead, but his priority was to save from their sin, to save from that which separates them from God. And he's here today to save you from that same thing. And that's his priority. Some of us need to shift our perspective. We're waiting to God for change our perspective, to, to change our circumstances and our situation. But God wants to change your heart. God wants to change you, pull you out of the darkness. The last thing is this. I'm going to ask uh, the keys to come up. The king of light is here with us. 
Now, as, as you saw, he said, man, the king of light is Emmanuel, God with us. That's what that word means. That's what that name means. And as in Isaiah chapter 7, they said, well, this is what the king of light, this is what his, his name shall be called Emmanuel. Now, I looked at that and I thought they like really messed it up. I thought Joe really screwed it up on that because they named him Jesus. Like, wait, they said his name was Emmanuel. Why'd you call him Jesus? Like, you messed that up, Joe and Mary. Like, they were deciding on baby names and like, I don't like the sound of Emmanuel. He may get made fun of in school. Let's just, let's just go with Jesus. Can't go wrong with Jesus. Because did you know actually Jesus was a very, very common name? That's what he was often referred to as the town he was from, Jesus of Nazareth. And so, so what I realized after asking that question again, was like, what's up with that? Why didn't, he's not even referred to anywhere else in the Gospels as Emmanuel. Here's why. That wasn't so much a name as it was a description. See, the name was about more about what he was doing, more about what he came to do. And the, more, the name was more about who he was, not so much the, 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 the words on his birth certificate. And so, so Jesus was saying by, by him coming, by him coming, he was living out God with us. He is there in person. And today he is with you today. See, right now, my wife and I are going through with the six-month-old of sleep training, our six-month-old. And when I first heard that with our first, this is our third child, with our first child, we said, we got to do sleep training. I'm like, kids need to learn how to sleep. They need training on this. Like, I, I don't remember any types of training, any courses, anything. I just remember sleeping. Like, it wasn't hard. I don't need training on how to sleep. It came very natural to me. But apparently that's a thing. And so what we're doing, the reason she needs sleep training, and parents do this differently, so I'm probably getting a lot of judgment right now. I already sensed it, all the parents. There's so many different ways to, to go about this, but I'll forgive you for your judgment, is that uh, we, we put her in the room, and we actually have three girls all in one room. I don't know how we do it. We sometimes, sometimes it's, it amazes me. And we, right now we're in the process of, of letting her sleep through the night. And what we do is she'll wake up and we'll go in there and just, I'll, I'll just put my hand on her and just put my hand on, on her and let, and she'll grab it. She just wants to know that I'm there. And then we'll swap out tag team. Veronica, you're up. She goes in there, does the same thing. So she just wants to know that we're there. Because I, I, we read this. I don't know how they find this out. Science is weird. They said, babies, if they cannot see you, they think you do not exist. And for some reason, I feel like we're often a bunch of babies. Because spiritually speaking, we say, man, God, where are you? I don't see you. I don't see you at all. Where are you? But God said, I'm going to be with you. He came here physically in person to the world that we have historical doc documents showing that he was here, that he died and rose again, and he came to be Emmanuel, God with us. See, we're often just wanting to know, God, where are you? And he came so that he, we can know that we are there, that we can be comforted, that we can know that he is with us. See, here's that, that common theme. And Matthew ties up, he says at the beginning in chapter one, his name will be Emmanuel. And Matthew 28, verse 20, as he gives the great commission, and behold, I will be with you until the end of the age. See, that promise wasn't just for the 33 years on his, uh, that he was here, but Jesus said, no, I'm gonna be with you. I'm about to ascend into heaven, but I'm gonna be with you right now till 2018, till, till, till the day you die, I'm gonna be with you, you're gonna be with me. 
See, some of us need to know right now that the king of light, he came to remove that fear. He came to save, but, but Emmanuel, he came to be with you. You feel distant from God. You need to know God's saying, hey, I am with you. Just let me in. I believe there's two, two things I wanna challenge you from this. Like, what do I do with this information, pastor? This is all really cool and inspiring, but here's what I want to tell you that you should do from here. You have two responsibilities. Number one is to let that light in. See, some of us, like, like I was saying, I was blocking, I was shining this light on stuff, but, but some of us have, have our shades up, man. We got like a shield. We're like blocking that light. We're saying, no, I'm good. I'm covering it up. Today, some of us need to let the king of light in to remove us for that doc, from that darkness because he's not gonna impose. We need to invite him in. And the second thing is you need to carry that light. We're all called to carry that light. John 8, 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, that we will carry that light. So we have two responsibilities from this church is number one is that we are supposed to let that light in. And number two, we're supposed to carry that light. Will you bow your heads across this place?